Welcome to Memphis Metropolis on WYXR 91.7 FM. I'm your host, Emily Trenum. Memphis Metropolis is all about our city as an urban place, including its neighborhoods, buildings, pathways, and parks, as well as the people who shape it. Join us each week as community leaders and commentators talk with me about our shared built environment. Orion believes communities work best when they work together. They have been a trusted financial partner in our community for more than 60 years and are committed to giving back in the neighborhoods they serve. You can see how they're redefining banking at orionfcu.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Memphis Metropolis on WYXR 91.7 FM. I'm Emily Trenum, the Memphis Metropolis host. And this week, I'm welcoming a longtime friend and partner in crime in the community development world, and that is Kathy Cowan. Kathy's the executive director about an or- a national organization um, of the Memphis branch of a national organization that's uh, recently opened an office here, and that's what we're going to talk about today. But I want to have a bunch of other questions to ask as well. So welcome, Kathy. Thank you, Emily. You're heading up a new Memphis office of an, a national organization called Local Initiative Support Corporation, otherwise known as LISC. I have no idea where they got that name um, <laughs> and because it's wonky, but it's, people know it as LISC, and that's what we're going to talk about today. But before that, Kathy, um, you know, I like to start out just by talking about, you know, the, some of the, the journeys of some of, of my guests and you know, because you've had a number of community development jobs and related jobs here in Memphis. And also you got, I think you got your start um, working in the urban planning arena. So I know you went to Rhodes and not, you know, just kind of briefly, you know, talk a little about how you got where you are and um, and the different steps along the way and how you really decided on, you know, community development as your career. What excited you about it? Uh, you know, yeah, I was a student at uh, Rhodes and let me confess, Southwestern at Memphis. I left there, got married, moved to Nashville. I worked for the planning commission there as a transportation planner. At that time, a job from hell because nobody wanted to hear about HOV, bike lanes, none of that stuff. Uh, left there, I went to Louisville, worked in uh, land use uh, planning, uh, zoning, reviewing zoning proposals and trying to make them uh, match the comprehensive plan. Wasn't there a historic preservation job in there somewhere? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm going way back. You're going way back. (laughs) I I actually worked with the Bill Street Historic Foundation while I was a student at Rhodes. Okay. Before Bill Street was redeveloped, uh, there were just fronts of buildings there, and it was slated to be demolished. And it got put on the National Register for Historic Preservation. So I remember working in the building, I think it's the police department, right next door to A-Swabs. And nothing was open on the street but A-Swabs and our little office. And I did the you know, architectural, I had to do a survey of the architectural history as well as the occupancy history of those buildings there. So, you know, when I'm down there, I'm peeping in that office, which I think is the police department trying to see where I used to sit, you know. <laughs> well, I'm sorry I got you interrupted from your timeline, no, 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 but, no, but that's uh, cool that you worked I, on that. Yeah. 
Uh, and, and also a historic preservation, Quapaw Quarter Historic Association in Little Rock. I worked to help get it established as a Quapaw, as an association, doing the same thing. After our continuation of the story, <laughs> when I left uh, uh, Louisville, Kentucky, my very first job was with the Works Incorporated in Memphis in 1999. I was actually the first executive director and uh, from 99 to uh, 2007. Um, and, the, and the works is still going yes, strong yes, and yes, bigger I'm and so better than ever. So very proud of the works, um, you know, because like I said, the first day on the job, uh, first year and a half, it was just me. And I'm proud of the work that we did. And, uh, and when I left, I had grown it. We had six employees. We had built a low-income housing tax credit development. We'd done about 36 single-family houses for home ownership and had uh, started a nonprofit mortgage brokerage, the charter school, lots of stuff that I'm just so proud of that, that they continued and, and are stronger and better than ever before. Um, but I started off at the works and, and actually um, had no plans of doing that. I I had seen some work some churches had done in Louisville. And I'm like, oh, no, my name's not going to be associated with those little shacks. We're not throwing up shacks <laughs> with my name on it. And I, I went to an interview. I had relatives who attended St. Andrew and who um knew about, were very connected in the city. And I thought I better go on this job interview because they won't think I'm serious about looking for a job. So they told me you got to go interview with Reverend Kenneth Robinson, which I'm like, okay, they actually found me out there because we didn't have an answering service. I wasn't trying to get a call from him, but got the call, went over there and talked. And, uh, you know, I'm a very spiritual person. I'm, I believe in God and I believe he gave him the words to say. I remember Reverend Robinson going out in this parking lot and saying, we're not going to be building little shacks. We're going to hire architects. Our house is going to blend in with the neighborhood. That kind of thing. He actually said the right words I needed to hear. And I was signed on. Well, you know, I know Reverend Robinson. Of course, now he is the uh, director of the local United Way. Yeah. And, you know, he could sell anything to anybody. <laughs> but he's yep. also, and, and I don't mean that as as someone who's, you know, slick because yeah. he just has a very powerful vision yeah. and he's an unbelievable communicator. Oh yeah. 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 And so I, I got the vision and, uh, actually, you know, it's been, uh, Oh, I left there in 2007. So it's been a quite a while, but it, it does remain some of the work that I'm most, most proud of. I, it's some of the most visible work anyway, that I'm most proud of, but I, I stayed there. Um, I, I left and went to the Federal Reserve in 2007. Uh, I worked in community development as a specialist there, working with um, banks and nonprofits, essentially trying to get them to hook up. You know, <laughs> that's what I always say, connect them so that community development could occur. Um, left uh, brain tumor <laughs> made me leave. And then I was fortunate enough to work with Regents Bank for a couple of years as a community reinvestment officer. And then finally to LISC as the executive director of this office, and uh, and I'm here. So, so Kathy, um, you've you know in your career um, in community development, 
you, you've seen a lot of changes. Mm-hmm. And so before we talk about LISC per se, I want to talk, just talk a little bit about the kind of organization that LISC is, which is a community development intermediary, mm-hmm. really a funding intermediary. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a, a little technical, but, uh, but during your, t- your career in community development, and which kind of runs parallel to mine, mm-hmm. um, one of the characteristics of the first, of the last two decades, the first 10 to 15 years, I mean, there's never enough money to do community mm-hmm. development. There's never enough money that goes without saying. But having said that, for many, many years, Memphis did not have access to the same kinds of national funding that other cities did that that had the same um, issues of you know poverty and blighted neighborhoods. And one of the reasons is because we didn't have any of these funding intermediaries that help bring in dollars from outside the city. So can you just explain a little more than I just did what a funding intermediary is and why they're so important in a com- in a community? Okay. Yeah, uh, LISC is a, a, a funding intermediary. We're also a community development financial institution. Started in 1979. So it's been around quite a long time. It's been in, uh, we're in about 39 cities. But most of the South didn't have a lot of uh, funding intermediaries. Uh, if you look at the footprint of this, they really weren't South. They were Texas, Florida, but, you know, that's a little different. To me, that's not really the South. You know? So um, without those funding intermediaries, there, there's just monies that don't flow to Memphis. And I've seen an example of what that that mean what that means is that it's it's just our local dollars and they are limited and scarce. Uh, whereas for example, um, LISC most recently, GoFundMe reached out to LISC. LISC is nationally known. If they have some money and, and especially all through COVID, organizations, entities, uh, corporations, banks have been putting pouring money into LISC because they know LIS has the footprint around the United States. So if they're working in a particular market, they want to get that money, drive that mar- money on into the market. They don't have trusted partners that they know. Not to say that there aren't organizations doing good work, they just don't know them. And it, it gets easier for them to give the money to LISC, a trusted partner, to get that money out uh, to vet because they know the local market. We were vetting those dollars. We know the organizations where the money is going to, and they are tr- they feel trusted that their money's going to get in the right place. No, I think you hit the nail right on the head. I mean, I remember many years where there'd be an announcement, some big bank is putting mm-hmm. money in 30 cities. And yeah. Memphis was not one of them. Exactly. And, and you're right, because there wasn't a place to plug in yeah. in the local community where they could just plug in, give the money mm-hmm. to a trusted partner mm-hmm. and feel confident. And like you said, there's lots of great work and there probably were people here that could yeah. do that, but it wasn't known. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but that started to change. We have, um, 
We have, of course, we have a local, you and I were involved in starting a local funding mm-hmm. intermediary called Community Lift. And one of the reasons we started that was because we didn't have these national intermediaries. Exactly. Exactly. We decided to grow our own. Yeah. Some wonderful work. Some wonderful work. Some wonderful work. And then there's also more, um, there's more national foundations here than there were. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Kretzky Foundation is here and definitely yeah. uh, I see that changing. Mm-hmm. But um, but before we talk about. Uh, but, about- Emily, before you go on, uh, you, you did mention Kresge and I have to say Kresge's one of the major reasons why we're here. OK, uh, they had been doing work in Memphis and uh, with working with some local organizations and saw the need and thought this was a good fit for them. And so they they actually talked to Lisk about coming. Uh, looking at Memphis, and after some, uh, I guess, ex- exploration and looking around and deciding, yeah, this is this 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 is where we need to be. And okay. so Kresge has been very influential in our initial the, the 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 funding, the initial funding we have. Without Kresge, we'd be moving a lot slower because most of these entities probably are doing work in Memphis too. It may not be their major market, but it's still work that needs to be done. So we have to uh, sort of educate folks because I guess from a corporate standpoint, you're interested where you can get the biggest bang. And so wherever you your market has the biggest share, uh, that's just what we're dealing with. Uh, So I think that had a lot to do with it. There weren't a whole lot of, uh, I don't know, major corporations, maybe in the South, you know, they're moving back now. So. That might have something to do with that's I'm speculating. That's my opinion. <laughs> I don't know. So so Lisk is does what what's Lisk sort of overarching mission? Is it you know revitalizing communities, eradicating poverty? Um, is it you know housing and financial empowerment? What are its mm-hmm. sort of major? Not so much the programs. We can talk yeah, about that. Yeah. But what are its sort of what's its overarching? Um, mission or goal. And, and the mission, I, I like it. Really, my favorite word is the first word, together with residents and partners, LIST forges resilient and inclusive communities of opportunity across America. Great places to live, work, visit, do business, and raise family. So it's all about community re- revitalization, neighborhood preservation. And the main word is together. When I took this job, um, you know, I've been working in this market for 20 years and I know the great organizations in this market. And I did not want to be just another nonprofit out here commute, competing for these limited dollars. And so I'm like, OK, why? Why now? I can remember 20 years ago when we wanted an intermediary so desperately and no one was coming. But I was assured, and I thought with me in the role too, that it would not be that way. Um, We would be able to leverage dollars and bring in dollars to the community that would not be here if it wasn't for me. With existing partners, and I've already plugged in same folk I've been working with for 20 years, you know, groups like Building Memphis, groups like The Works, Neighborhood Preservation, United Housing, all the Habitat. Everybody I've worked with for 20 years in various roles are still the exact same folks that I'm working with. Um, so we, that's one thing we do. We try to support local initiatives. We try to develop leadership and capacity in, in the whole industry. Um, 
We try to invest in businesses, housing, infrastructure, things that neighborhoods need. And we try to drive, uh, you know, change, uh, policy change. So we're involved in policy initiatives, local policy initiatives to try to uh, do as we always did, uh, to try to further uh, community development. There are some policies out here that make it hard. They make it hard and they aren't right. So we try to see, shed some light on that. So Kathy, oh, uh-huh. let me just interrupt you for a second because I want to just tell people that if you're just joining us, you're listening to Memphis Metropolis and WYXR 91.7 FM. And I'm, we're talking with Kathy Cowan, who's executive director of the Memphis Office of LISC, a national community development intermediary. So Kathy, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I okay. wanted to... Um, I wanted to let people know because I'm sure people are listening and thinking this is so interesting. But <laughs> who, who's who is who's talking? So I need to let them know about yeah. that. So you know we that's what we do, and uh, we've been here in Memphis since September 2020. Uh, so 18 months, just 18 months. Okay. In in those 18 months, we've been able to do some things. Uh, you know, like I said, I've, go I was going to ask you what are sort of the main program buckets for LISC. And then what are the, I know you can't sort of deploy all the program. I mean, List does a lot of things. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say and, that. And, and what are you, and so what are you doing here first? Yeah, I, you know, I, I was about to say that because I, I'm every day discovering something new that we do. Um, there, it's a big organization and it has lots of, uh, lots of, uh, parts, housing, sports and recreation, transportation, school, charter school financing, you know, there, there's a lot that we do. And, um, of course we can't do it all here in Memphis because a lot of it, each office is, is responsible for generating your own, uh, operating, uh, support. And, you know, it's like anything else. Our programs have to be funded. So things that we do, we have to generate the funding for it. Uh, We just have uh, the luxury of having national partners or we can bring in some funding, but we're very much needing to to have local support as well. In this first uh, first 18 months, uh, besides trying to get staffed up, and like I said, I've hired two folks. The main thing we're, our our first initial project uh, from day one when I got here, is a matter home report pair program that we're working on with the city of Memphis, leveraging their uh, community development block grant dollars. It is a program that we did in Detroit. And so, you know, after looking uh, and working with the city, will this work for Memphis? And so it was a conclusion that it would. And the city of Memphis is uh, investing in LISC and um, uh, we are able to leverage those funds. We've leveraged uh, million and a half for home repair program and we've already leveraged it with two million. We uh, want to thank our Congress, uh, Congressman Steve Cohen, who was very helpful to us in getting a, a one million dollar appropriation to go uh, for this fund. Uh, we also uh, working with Regions Bank and got a, a million dollar loan that will help uh, leverage the funds of this program. So these are going to be grants or loans? Uh, it's going to be a hybrid program. Okay. Uh, the program in Detroit is a loan. It's at 0%. So, But it does have to be paid back. It's a loan. 
Uh, of course, we're working with, it's not, you know, and I'd already told you Regions is, is a, a partner with us. Well, they're not loans that Regions can do or a typical bank can do. That's what, uh, you know, if you know about community development financial institutions, which I know you do, um, that's why they exist. That's why banks will invest in them because banks are regulated and they can't do what a CDFI can do. CDFIs can't be too reckless, though, because if they are reckless, they're going to go out of business. <laughs> you know, yep. they got to be paid back. So the monies that we are will receive from uh, Congress, we intend for that to be a grant component of the program to support seniors who are at a certain uh, income level. Um, and, and, and the whole program will be um, for folks no more than 80 percent below the uh, average uh, median income. So, so, the, so and I guess these these programs will be d deployed through local partners that are actually do this kind of work like yes, United yes. Housing. Mm -hmm, they've been mm -hmm. on Memphis Metropolis. They do. Mm -hmm. They do have, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. small home repair loans. So you would be, and they go out and help pick yeah. contractors yeah, yeah, yeah. and inspect and everything. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of hands-on. Yeah. So I guess you'll and you'll invest in those existing partner programs. Right. right. It's not like we're, you know, um, we look for ways to help existing organizations. And so, you know, we will, we've had conversations with all the, the, the potential partners that, that we could work with and we'll do an RFP. And then, so we'll have nonprofit partners that are actually the ones doing the construction management. And then we'll also partner with a lender, even though we're a lender ourselves, we'll partner with a local CDFI, uh, one that does mortgage lending, housing related lending. Uh, to 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 work with us on this program as we leverage and try to bring in more funds forward. So it's a very collaborative program. And that's the thing I like about it, uh, about LIS. And that's the kind of thing that I would look for, efforts that I could support local partners. So you're going to have two and a half million, it sounds like. Three and a half. Three and a half million. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a, that's a pretty that's a pretty big number. You'll be able to help some folks. Is it going to be targeted um, in terms of neighborhoods? Because I know some um, some of these kind of community lending programs, mm -hmm. whether they're mortgage or home repair, sometimes they are targeted. Um, no, you know, it, it, we, we've been, like I said, we worked with the city and, uh, you know, a lot of the decisions about the program, uh, we, we made joint decisions. And one of them, we discussed targeting but uh, we sort of figure we know, even without targeting, we will be. We know where the people who are 80% of AMI live. And so if we divide, define a boundary and someone's right on the other side of that line, they still need help. And so we, we, we decided in this year uh, not to target. And, you know, this is as programs go, we'll see how that works. You know, um, we, I was wondering, you know, in, uh, I thought for a moment, can folks afford loans? Well, uh, we looked at the Detroit model, same income groups, and, and people could. Uh, we know the program won't be the an everybody's answer, uh, not going to be able to help everybody. Uh, but we're working with loan-to-value ratios and credit scores that are not your typical uh, bankable uh, uh, numbers. And so we look, but we, we will modify and uh, as we go and adjust the program to see, but in the first year, 
Uh, and any day now, we're waiting on that contract. We've done our part where we're just waiting on signatures from the city. And that is a process they have to go through. So uh, we're just waiting. Uh, and, you well, know, in, in, terms of, in, in terms of the loans, well, sometimes these kind of community development loans can be I don't want to use too much jargon, but sort of stuck on st stuck on in the like a sort of they call it a soft second where a soft second mortgage where you actually can repay the loan when you sell the house. Um, will mm -hmm. these will that be available for borrowers or will people have a monthly payment? They're going to have a monthly payment over ten years. The loans okay. are ten year loans, so there there's okay. a monthly payment. So that would be pretty mm -hmm. modest if you're borrowing. You know, ten or fifteen thousand yeah. dollars over ten yeah. years. The range is five to twenty-five thousand. So okay. we don't have loans that exceed twenty-five thousand. But yeah, but that's a collaborative program that we're working on, and and I, I really like that as a as a first uh, program for us. We've done other things. I think I was here a month before um, they said, "Hey, we got some money from Visa, and we want to support a, a nonprofit in the community that works with." women entrepreneurs of color. So, you know, I was, and, I, and I, I saw early on how this whole intermediary process works. Because I know the market, because I know the organizations, I was able, and it had to be quick, I was able to quickly connect them with uh, an organization, Communities Unlimited, which I know uh, does that all day long, provide technical assistance. So I was able to get them money to do what they do. Well, they that's where your do. knowledge of the field and the players really, yeah. um, really comes to comes mm -hmm. to be very beneficial. So mm -hmm. I know you're also um, you're also deploying some national dollars that are for uh, organizational capacity building, which uh -huh. is really mm -hmm. really helping community development organizations be more successful. So mm -hmm. um, so talk a little bit about that. Yeah, it's a Section Four program through HUD for. Um, CHOTOs, Community Housing Development Organizations, and Community Development Corporations. Um, we Those dollars are available for capacity building. Now, in the past, there hadn't been a lot of Section 4 dollars here. There are three national Section 4 TA providers, Enterprise, LIST, and Habitat. Well, of course, Enterprise nor LIST were here in Memphis. So for years, this program has been in existence, and these dollars have not been coming to Memphis. I mean, that's I a good example of what we talked about earlier. These are uh -huh. national, this is uh -huh. national money from HUD that's right. supposed to go everywhere, right. but it doesn't because that's they right. give it out through these intermediaries. And if you don't have an office there, technically you can get the money, but it doesn't really work that way. That's exactly right. So for the uh, first time, uh, we have an allocation of Section $4. We have an RFP out. Uh, so that money will help uh, local partners. And there are some things that are occurring just because we have an office here. Uh, another example, uh, Uber, PayPal, Walgreens uh, for COVID wanted to help with, you know, they heard the numbers. You know, we've, we've heard the press about the numbers and trying to get more people vaccinated. So they wanted to fund rides to the vaccine. Well, we're working with uh, Innovate Memphis to do just that. We have some money that we can give them to help support transportation to to, to vaccines. So there's a lot of uh, things like that uh, that uh, uh, that we have access to, and we can get. And they're they're not huge things, and and there's not been a whole lot of press to say, oh, Lisk is doing this. But there there's several opportunities. I mean, several things that we've done. Um, 
we just there's a grant and there's going to be a big announcement. I guess I better not say that anything about that because it hadn't been announced. Yet. Well, you were telling me before we started recording about something called Project 10X. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So tell me about that. Well, Project 10X um, is just, it, it, it's really the, 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 the biggest, most ambitious um, project for LIS ever. Uh, That's saying and, something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the boldest thing, I think, you know, that they've done. But it's, it's the, the whole thing is designed to uh, correct the racial health, wealth, and opportunity gra- uh, gaps that exist. And the name 10X comes from, um, you know, all the stats, like the average white family's net worth is 10 times that of the average black family. And there's a 10 year gap in average life expectancy. This 10 seems to be a magic number, you know. So, uh, you know, they they have uh, have this big initiative to try to work on correcting some of those gaps. And so when we do projects and things that we do, we're trying to, uh, we're trying to lessen those gaps. And so things we do, we're viewing with that lens. uh, And we're, you know, there's a matrix, there's, you know, we're, we're actually reporting, trying to see, you know, how, what we're doing to, to. uh, So is it a way, uh, is it a a framework, a new framework for your existing program? Or is it going to be new dollars and new initiatives? It, it, it's going to be new dollars and initiatives, but it's also a framework as well. Uh, there are, are, are new things being developed uh, because we're looking at things with that framework. It does cause you to do some things different and to develop new new programs. And so, yeah, there will be. Okay. Well, we look mm-hmm. forward to hearing more about that. Mm-hmm. Well, the um, can local organizations, I mean, as you were saying earlier, you know, LISC has all kinds of programs, not of all of which you can offer here because there mm-hmm. might not be matching dollars. But even in the housing development and neighborhood revitalization, there's, I know there's different, like, let's just say, you know, loan guarantees for mm-hmm. multifamily mm-hmm. housing and mm-hmm. things like that. Can can organizations here, now that you're here, tap into those? Like, could the works call you and say, Kathy, we've got a new project what um, programs, dollars that mm-hmm. LIST has nationally mm-hmm. could help support our project? Most definitely. Uh, most definitely. You know, when you look across our footprint, and I think my first month, I spent a lot of time clicking and, and, you know, see what this office is doing. And there are a lot of offices doing a lot of different things. Uh, some offices have, they, the staffing of offices varies. Uh, there's no local lending staff here, but I have a lender who's assigned to me. And so when deals come my way or if someone has a, a, you know, I may not know initially what can be done, but I, you know, start exploring what can I do? I do know if there are lending, if there, if there are loan opportunities, I, I just uh, on the phone to Andrea, you know, and I'm connecting folks and uh, sometimes this job sort of feels like old jobs when I've always been a connector and uh, connecting uh, organizations to resources. And that's 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 part of it here with LIST too, connecting uh, my local partners with with all that LIST has to offer. Um, I give an example of a policy. Our policy committee was building Memphis. Um, there was some concern or some issues. You know, we have a policy team that is 
uh, works with the uh, our, our federal government uh, very closely and watches policies that come out. And so, you know, if there are issues or things we're concerned about, I can just ask. And they, uh, you know, they've done presentations to the uh, uh, building Memphis about a particular issue that they were concerned about. So there's various resources and what we do uh, will, um, how we tap into those resources have to be locally determined. And we are in the, you know, even though it's a national organization, this Memphis is not a separate entity with its own board, but we have a local advisory uh, uh, committee and uh, just established my local advisory committee. Uh, they had their first meeting in February. So we do look to have input from them. Our first, first major work for the group is gonna be our strategic uh, framework trying to help us uh, develop that because we know there are lots of issues. Here's lots of stuff we could do. Where do we start? <laughs> you know, so we're going to look forward to our LAC and uh, to help us with that um, because we, we, yeah, I've been here 20 years, but it's not what I think. It needs to be uh, very much in line with what the community thinks. And that's the whole purpose of that LAC and this whole strategic uh, planning process we're going to do. Well, that makes sense because, um, mm -hmm. you know, your advisory committee, but also partners could mm -hmm. like, I'm using this as an example, maybe that, mm -hmm. you know, the, maybe, you know, someone at the city looks at the Alyssa website and they see the transportation initiative mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. they say, you know what, we're doing something similar here. Mm -hmm. Maybe we should talk to Kathy and maybe that transportation program makes up maybe because, because their money would go farther. So mm -hmm. things you might not think you are going to be priorities might be priorities that people get to know the national programs and exactly. they think, exactly. where can we make our money go, go do, do more? Exactly. Exactly. And uh, I know different folks, you know, since I've been in this market, you know, I know a lot of folks and folks have called and, and, you know, I will direct them just like me. It's just so much clicking and research I can do. But if it's something you're trying to do and you've heard of or seen something in another city, it's a possibility. Let's talk and see how we how we can make it work uh, for Memphis. So uh, but I, I am trying to we do need to have a strategic framework because you can be all over the place. You know that Emily having run a nonprofit yourself. There's lots of need out here, but you absolutely cannot do everything. And so if you if you make attempts to do that, you wind up doing very little. Yeah. So we do want to target our efforts so that we can be the most impactful. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. That makes a lot of sense, Kathy. Well, you've been listening to Memphis Metropolis on WYXR 91.7 FM. And we've been talking to Kathy Cowan, who's the executive director of the Memphis office of LISC, which is the local initiative support corporation. <laughs> I had just forgot that for a second. So, so Kathy, thanks for coming. The Brooks is open in Overton Park, home to Memphis Art Collection since 1916. The Memphis Brooks Museum of Art holds the largest collection of world art in the region, with more than 10,000 works spanning 5,000 years of art and cultures. Remember, every Wednesday is free and open until 8 p.m. They are a proud sponsor of WYXR. For more information about the museum and their exhibitions, visit brooksmuseum.org. You belong at the Brooks. You've been listening to Memphis Metropolis on WYXR 91.7 FM. I'm Emily Trenum. 
Memphis Metropolis airs every Monday at 1, so please tune in again next week. You can listen to past programs on our program page at wyxr.org or on memphismetropolis.com. You can also follow us and send feedback on social media. Now, stay tuned for Memphis Undercover with Nancy.